Honey, Be My Teacher podcast is brought to you by Smokin' Jays and SmokinJays.com. Use coupon code HONEY at checkout to support this podcast and content like it. Welcome to the Honey, Be My Teacher Do-It-Yourself series of podcasts, bringing you all the buzz about the basics of bees. My three-part series will give you the knowledge to get started in beekeeping. And today in part two, we will be discussing materials, beehive setup, and beehive management, getting you equipped and ready to exercise your stewardship using the proper tools to manage your hive. Okay, let's get buzzing. Thank you, Jay Fratt and Smokin' Jays, for making this podcast more than just a dream. I'm Patty Haynes, and I want to welcome you to Honey Be My Teacher, a podcast for everyday people uh, wanting to make a positive impact on our planet through stewardship of our great pollinators. In episode one, if you remember, we covered bees and hives. So today, um, we want to make sure you have the basic tools to manage your hive without breaking the bank. Again, I don't want you to be intimidated by beekeeping at all. It's manageable and it's very fulfilling, so I want to get started on this. Your tools are basically the one thing we're going to talk about first. They're so important for ease of management. Keeping it basic and just don't overspending. That's the key that we want to stick with here. There are lots of fun tools and gadgets out there. Everybody's going to try you to get everything. Don't. Eventually, you may want them, but for now, we just want to keep it simple, okay? Uh, Management includes hive setup, your bee placement, sugar syrup, pollen patties if necessary, and your frame inspections. It sounds like a little bit, but it can turn into a lot if you're not organized. So this is what you need to do this. You need to start out knowing what a frame is in the hive. When we had the discussion before about the hives themselves, we described the box as being a brood box that had eight or ten frames. I personally use an eight-frame hive. Each frame is rectangular and it is either a wax base or it is a plastic with a wax coated frame inside that is hexagonal shaped designed for the bees to draw comb, which is simply the bees excreting wax from their abdomens and adding that to that shape and creating that comb to put honey in and their brood. So that's what we talk about when we talk about a frame. You do need to know um, what we're talking about when it refers to frames in the hive. There's brood frames, and then there are honey frames. We're going to make sure we're talking about both at different times. So the brood frame will be the discussion when we refer to the brood or the deep box, and the shallow frame will be the shallow or the super or a honey super. Any of those terms can be used. So first we want to do is set up your hive. You have your bottom board and you have your entrance reducer, and that's not needed in the beginning, but you do wanna keep that close by when it comes to around seasons when you have wasps or invaders of other types that are, or mice trying to get into your hive. You want your deep or your brood box, 
a queen excluder, which is optional. They're about $4. I personally like them, so I think that they're good to have. Um, we'll, we'll define what they're for farther down when we go farther on with this list. You need a shallow or a honey super, an inner cover, and your telescoping lid. And these are the exact components that you're going to stack in that order, starting with your bottom board. And you're going to build up from there. And then when you have that telescoping lid on there, you have a hive. That's where you're going to put your bees. You're also going to need a sugar syrup feeder. It goes in the entrance of the hive on the porch. A hive tool, a smoker, cotton balls. You're going to need denim strips, some dry tinder. Smoker pellets are optional. I find them hard to keep lit, so they're worth having if you can get them to stay lit, but they're my nemesis, so I don't really like them. Extraction tools and a bee brush and a bee suit, gloves, and a veil. All of these items in this particular list are really absolutely necessary. You can always add two down the road and get fancy, but right now let's stick with just a really good basic list so that you're successful with your hive management. So you're going to set up the hive with the bottom board first, and then you're going to add the brood or the deep box on top of that. On top of the brood or the deep box is where you're going to put your queen excluder. And the reason that we say that is when you enter the brood box and you pull the frames out, if you get a nuke or a nucleus, you're going to pull five frames out of that box and replace it with the five frames that come in your nucleus. And that's your bee colony right there. That queen excluder prevents the queen from crawling up into the shallow or the honey super so that she's not laying eggs in your honey. That's the whole purpose there. So there are philosophies out there saying that queen excluders agitate the queen and the bees, but I've never found that to be the case. So it's a good $4 investment if you don't want to fight um, infestation of eggs in your in your honey, and you really don't want to destroy the eggs because you want to get those bees perpetuating as much as possible. Okay, so then you're going to want a shallow or a honey super, and that is the smaller box that goes on top of the deep box, your inner cover, and your telescoping lid. You're going to add your brood boxes and your honey supers as the colony grows, so don't get intimidated by the size of what you have right now because when this grows, you're going to add more brood boxes as the queen lays more eggs and you have more cat brood. And then your honey supers are going to be added too. And that's great because that means you're getting a ton of honey when you have a really heavy nectar flow. So you want to add to that as, a, as your colony grows and grows. So you're going to put on your bee suit and your gloves and your veil. Never go without protection, guys. I know there are a lot of YouTube videos out there and these guys have been doing it for centuries, it seems, and they do not wear protection. You have to wear protection. If a bee gets into your lip or your eye or up into your nose, you can have issues. So let's just be practical and be smart and wear your veil and your bee suit as well as your gloves. You're not a professional beekeeper yet. Someday maybe. But I have gone in there and there's moments I've gone out there and I've messed around with my bees without protection and the one time I did, I got one that zapped me really good in the neck and she, she let me have it. So she just basically told me to wear protection. So I'm going to listen to her from now on. So wear your protection, guys. Never forget that. Also, um, remember that once you have your protection on, to make sure that everything is tight and Velcroed shut, you want to check for loose areas. You don't want to be getting caught up inside your veil. That can also be a little terrifying. So you want to make sure that you're just properly wearing your protection. See a mentor if you're having any issues with that. 
they will help you make sure that your bee suit fits properly. You don't want anything that's too big or too small. You want it to fit correctly. So once you're completely set up, you want to go ahead and put your bees in your brood box, okay? That brood box is the beginning of your colony. And that is the beginning of your honey making process too. You have to be patient. Let the queen lay her eggs. Let that pupae develop and those bees hatch and that brood, we call it brood, and it will cap, meaning it's got a little dry film over the top of each little hexagonal shape in that frame. And when that fills up completely, that queen will continue moving from frame to frame. You'll see some honey developing around the corners of that too because they're eating that honey. So be respectful of that space and do not touch that honey. It does not belong to us. It belongs to the bee queen and her, her brood, okay? So now we're going to explain why I talk about nukes for the beginner. The nuke is also called the nucleus, which is basically, in essence, a complete bee colony in a mini hive format. It is five frames ready to go into your deep box. It's a queen, the five frames. Some of them will have honey, but most of them will have capped brood in them. You'll also see some frames where she's been currently laying eggs. The eggs look like little tiny rice grains, and you have to hold the frame up into the sunlight so you can get a really good angle. And you'll look for these little teeny tiny little white things sticking up in their pretty little white rice grains. Those are the eggs. As long as you see eggs, you know you have a viable queen. And we will get into that element of inspecting for your queen farther down. But that's what you're going to have when you get your nucleus. And we call it nuke for short. And then you're going to place that in the hive. It's best for the beginner. The reason is, as you're established, you're already learning how to inspect your frames to make sure that your bees are healthy and that your queen is viable. You've got to know how to find her. She looks different from the rest of the colony. She's got a very long body. Some companies will mark the queen on the top of her head with a color, but none of my queens have ever been marked. I have had to learn to find them myself. All right. So that's one thing you want to make sure of. So that nucleus is ready to go. You're starting with an established colony, which gives you a head start at being successful. So you're not discouraged. A package is not the same thing. It's basically all of the bees in a cage with a queen in her own little cage. And it's your job at that point to shake them out into your bottom box and then to put the queen in there in her cage and hope that the queen is accepted by the colony. It should be, but it isn't always. So as a beginner, always start with a nucleus. It's a better way to start. The price isn't that much more. It's maybe $20 more. So I think it's very worthwhile to invest the extra 20 bucks into getting a successful colony rather than taking a chance and kind of, you know, shooting yourself in the foot when it comes to raising your own bees. We hope you're enjoying this episode, part two in Patty's DIY series on beekeeping. Would you like to email the show? After all, it's all about growing our community. You can email Patty at bemyhoney.honeybees at gmail.com. That's B-E-E, myhoney.honeybees at gmail.com. You can also check out Patty's blog at honeybemyteacher.com. All right, back to the show. So what you're going to do is you're going to take your empty frames that you take out of that hive when you put your frames of bees in there and you're going to set them aside. I freeze mine. 
only because I live in the country and predators like to come in and just play on those things. So make sure that you put them in a nice dry space that's cool and not hot because they are waxed with honey, with a beeswax, and it's got a honey fragrance to it. So you could also have bees coming in and making a new nest in your garage if you're not careful. So let's make sure that you put those in a safe space. And then you're going to take your sugar syrup feeder, which is nothing more than a mason jar and a sugar syrup recipe. There are many out there on the internet. It's a two to one ratio. It's really thick, syrupy. Use pure cane sugar only. Do not use anything from sugar beets. You'll make your bees sick. And you're going to put that in the jar. It just screws on the lid. It's got a bunch of little holes in it. You turn it upside down in this feeder, pop that into the porch of the hive, and that gives the bees food until they can locate pollen and nectar because the nectar flow is what honey comes from. So your first few frames of honey are going to have sugar syrup in them. They'll be a little less flavorful and they're mostly food for the bees. So we're going to let those go and belong to the bees and let them make food out of those. You're going to go ahead and feed your sugar syrup to your bees and continue with the jar feeder until you're ready to try other types of feeders. Um, the reason I like the jar feeder for the beginner as opposed to an inner cover feeder is A, you don't drown your bees. B, you can see the sugar syrup level go up and down, and that allows for you to see their consumption level and feed them properly. It can be very easy if you're not out there every single day, which you don't have time for, and which is not what we do as beekeepers, and you don't want to neglect them and, and starve them to death. So make sure that they have their sugar syrup in the jar feeder so that you can have a visible um, view of how much they're consuming on a regular basis. Now you got to have your smoker. Getting the smoker is a pain. It's my nemesis. Everybody online will complain about it too. And we all share questions on how can we get our smokers to work the best. The, the problem is, is once you close the lid on a smoker, it looks like a pitcher with a cone on it and it has a vent and a pump like a bellows. And what it is, is it literally is the smoke that you puff the bees with that makes them think there's a forest fire close by, which makes them retreat into the hive so they're less apt to swarm you. And that's all we're doing is keeping them calm and less stressed about us being in their space. The problem with getting a good smoke starting is a lot of times that smoker will go out when you're right in the middle of the process of taking care of the bees. So what I found works best for me so far is I take cotton balls, actual cotton, Put them in the bottom of the smoker. Um, you're going to get one of those long lighters that you use, like you'd use to light a, a barbecue grill. And then I'll use denim cotton strips, and I'll cut those up and put those in there. And then I'll add, I would do the smoker fuel, a few pellets if I could. And then I throw dry tinder on there. And once that, I light that, and I pump that bellows and get that flame just really going. It's intimidating, but catch that thing on fire. You want it to become basically cinders and smoke. Get that going and then what you'll do is you'll put, um, like I use tender green fresh trimmings from a fir tree and grass, fresh green grass. And what that will do is that cools the smoke down and makes it not burn the bees. So you want to put that on the very top, over top of that heat so that your smoke is still coming through but you're filtering it through with something to cool it off. That way the bees are healthy but you're still safe as well. If the bees do come around you, even get a little agitated and come around your suit, you want to smoke yourself as well as the hive. So what you're going to do is take your smoker and you're going to puff around your actual hive itself, the porch, any entrance where they can sense their smoke, and as you lift the lid, and then if they start bothering you, go ahead and smoke yourself as well. 
keep your smoker going because you're going to need to smoke yourself on occasion too. And that's just a bottom line where you're going to have to take care of yourself. If you do choose to tough it out and your smoker goes out and your hive is open, you're going to have to reassemble your hive, go back and start over. Your bees are agitated. So be prepared or be prepared to just finish with a lot of bees hanging out with you for a while. It might take you a little longer to get back to your house because they'll be mad. (laughs) So I suggest you keep your smoker handy. Then you're going to need your um, hive tool. And the hive tool is what we use to pull frames. The hive tool helps to break apart the frames. The bees are going to use propolis and wax, and they're going to really glue those frames together. So you're going to use that tool to pop those frames apart. I use a hive tool that has a J-hook on it because it allows me, without disrupting the the honey and the comb itself, to kind of slide the hook in there, and it kind of pops it up and lifts it enough that I can pull it out and inspect it. You're always going to pull a frame out, hang it to the side, or lean it onto the side of the ground, and then you're going to... You need that gap to move your frames around because you're going to slide your frames over as you inspect your frames. So keep that hive cleaned. You need that tool. At the end of it, it's going to be flat. You have what's called burr comb, and it is where the bees will draw extra honeycomb and they'll start gluing things together on top of the frames. That's not an ideal situation for us, so we want to scrape that off. You can keep that wax. There are people who are willing to buy wax from you, or you might want to use that to make your own products. Save it or dispose of it. But I like to give it back to the bees if I'm not going to use it because bees will recycle that wax. That's one thing about them. They're amazing recyclers. So set that aside and get that ready um, when you're taking care of your frames. Clean that off. And then you can clean your propolis off too, which you can collect and save as well. Those are Propolis is what you can use to make astringents with. And that's the other material that's made, that sticky gooey substance we talk about that the bees use to glue things together. It has a market value as well. Some people will raise bees just to have propolis. So that is fine. But in the beginning, let's just raise bees for the pollination and then everything can grow from there and we can just take care of ourselves in the long run. But starting today, we want to just make sure it's clean. The bees have good access and you're not disturbing too much of their life. Okay. So you're going to make sure everything is cleaned off. I would recommend that you pull each frame and identify a queen first. You need to pull it out, hold it up in the sunlight. Try not to do this in overcast skies. Use a sunny day as much as possible. Challenge in this state in Washington, I know, but can be done. But you want to go ahead and pull them out. Take a look and make sure that your queen is safe. She should be crawling around and popping her abdomen down into little hexagonal cells and laying eggs all the time. If you are still not able to find her, don't fret. Look at your frames again in the sunlight. As long as you have newly laid eggs, you know she's there. Until you can learn to identify her, look for one of those two things. If you don't have eggs, you need to get a hold of a bee mentor or the companies that you bought your bees from, and you need to buy a queen and reintroduce a new queen to the colony. They will help you with that. They're very helpful, Um, but you need to have a queen. You cannot have a colony of bees without a queen. So you're going to do that. Make sure she's healthy. And make sure that you're also having healthy bees that have no mites or beetles on them. We do have hive beetles in this state. And you want to make sure they don't have beetles walking around and crawling around in the hive. They make a shiny, gooey, wet mess on the outside of the cell, so you can't miss them. The uh, varroa mite is a little bit harder to identify. There's a, a way to check that. And farther down the road, when we start getting into deeper management and more about skilled management of the hive towards September when you do check for your varroa mites, 
we will go over how to do that. Then we'll do another DIY series and we will cover the winterizing of the hives and, and preparing for overwintering and making sure that your bees come out of it healthy and wholesome. You're also going to look for wax moths. Wax moths will get into your hive sometimes, especially in cooler areas, and they will basically put like a webbing over the comb and you'll have a problem. You'll know a moth has gotten in there and nesting. So these are things that you want to check for. You want to pull that entire frame out, put a new frame in, but you want to make sure there's no evidence and you want to get rid of that moth. These are just simple maintenance things that are not hard to do, but we have to do them. And we only have to do them every 14 days. So don't feel like this is something you have to do every week. We don't want to overdo this with the bees. Every two weeks is plenty to start. Sometimes you're going to need to give your hive a boost with your pollen patties. You can buy those at Tractor Supply or any other bee supply. And we use them when plants and flowers are scarce. And we need to give the queen a boost at laying her eggs and keep the worker bees healthy. Um, and we, we refer to that season when there's no nectar flow or pollen or plants blooming due to droughts. It's referred to as a dearth. And so that is the terminology you'll know in the bee community. So if they mention or ask if you're in a dearth, then they will be able to help you and guide you better when it comes to mentioning this to a mentor or a supplier regarding the right product you need for your bees. You know, and these, these are just simple management tools that a dearth happens not all the time we had a little bit of a dearth last year. It was a very short season. It can get longer in certain states in this country. But if you're prepared and you have your tools set up, this is really not going to be an issue. Just have your pollen patties ready and have a lot of honey saved up. Your first year is not a big honey harvest for you. You shouldn't be using a lot of the honey. This is when you're saving honey to make sure that you get through the winter so that the bees have it for the next season. And then what you'll do is the next season is when you'll start really having a lot of honey. The extraction tools are basics tools that you can order or like through the Olympia Beekeepers Association, you can actually rent an extractor from them. And they it's a shared item that the, the association offers to everybody that is a member. I think that's a great opportunity for you to learn how to extract and preserve the comb in your hive. Those are tools, too, that you might not need to use in the first year, only because you're going to get maybe with one or two hives, you might get 10 jars of honey out of it for the year. But that's okay, all right, because it's not about us getting just honey. It's a wonderful benefit on the side. But ultimately, what we're talking about now is just providing a sustainable environment for our bees for pollination. And the honey is going to be a wonderful benefit farther down the road. So, you know, the simple processes, they can be a little time consuming. So plan your day well and give it time and be thorough. Be patient. This is where they're very therapeutic because the patience that you have to learn to exercise helps you to just really learn to reside with your bees and enjoy that quiet time and learn to listen to them, communicate with them and see you'll learn their dance. They'll actually become recognizable. You'll have characters in bees that you didn't know existed. So these are things that through management you're going to develop and that's where it's going to benefit you too. I do want you to always use protective wear. A hive can get agitated and swarm you so you've got to use your smoker. Now these are just a basic list of tools and this is how you're going to do basic management as a beginner. And this is where as stewards we can just continue on and make sure that our bees are our friends forever but we also have questions and answers that people come up with too. So 
I'm going to take a real quick breather here, and we're going to be touching on some questions and answers in a few moments. Honey, Be My Teacher is brought to you by Smokin' Jays and SmokinJays.com. Everything for your smoking lifestyle. Just for you, there is a coupon code to save 15% off at SmokinJays.com. It's Honey! So enter Honey at checkout at SmokinJays.com and receive 15% off your order. And... All orders over $100 ship for free at SmokinJays.com. All right, back to the show. And we're back, and I'm here. Hey, Jay Fratt here, the conservative hippie. Patty, I'm coming in to help you with your listener questions. Sounds great. But before we begin, I wanted to point out once again that if you want to get involved with the show, if you've got questions for Patty, um, whatever it may be, you can email her directly at bemyhoney.honeybees at gmail.com. So it's B-E-E, myhoney.honeybees at gmail.com. And you had people email you questions. I did. So before we get to their great questions, how about a few of my uh, inane, very amateurish and unresearched questions? Go for it. Okay. Um, I was a little confused at the brood versus honey frame. And, and I was thinking when you were talking about that, that people must sit down before they start their beekeeping adventure and decide what they want to do with their hive. Do, do they have to really sit down and philosophize over what I want to accomplish with beekeeping? I think a lot of times it turns into an afterthought. Most beekeepers jump into it as a hobbyist uh, with an idea in mind that they're going to just have honey and pollinate too. Uh, it tends to grow from there because... It, it changes who you are, kind of that's where the philosophical end of the bees come into play because you change and then you do plan a little better. I think the first time you order your hive, because it just comes pre-done and it's so new, if you haven't mentored under somebody with a direction you want to do, if you're going to a commercial vein versus a hobbyist vein, they're vastly different from each other. Yeah. Their setups are different as well. You know, your your commercial honey keepers would use just the deep brood boxes mostly. Mm -hmm. And they would have those all over in fields where they're pollinating almond trees and things like that, like you have in California. Um, but here in the hobby level, most people will order a hive and they get the entire system as I described it from the bottom board to the telescoping lid. And that's your first hive. So you would use both the deep brood and then the honey super. The honey super is just the honey. And as an amateur, you want to always have more honey than not yeah. for the bees for the winter if you're not going to use it for yourself. But I ended up last year having two honey supers on my boxes. I had so much honey last year. It was outrageous. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, next question mm -hmm. from me, of course. Got to right. get to the most important <laughs> questions right, right off the bat. How do professionals create new hives for purchase? I've seen these, and it, it does not look like the bees are alive. <laughs> this, this looks bizarre, prehistoric. It looks like they're pulling out fossils, not, yeah. not something that's going to become a thriving hive. How do they do that? Well, and it looks that way to you because when you see them pull out that frame, it's that darkened wood and everything looks old and antiquated. The bees turn it that color. That happens within a year or two. So what they do is a commercial beekeeper will actually 
take a hive with bees in it. And bees, you will find when you inspect your frames, will have queen cells developing all the time. Mm -hmm. It's the nature of the honeybee when they feel cramped to have a new queen erupt. And those queens will leave and the hive will swarm and go find a new place to nest. So what happens consequently is a beekeeper is in a position that they can cut those queen cells away and put them in what they call queen cups. And they will hook them onto a frame and they'll actually raise queens. And then with those queens, they'll introduce them into a hive of bees that they'll take frames from a big hive they already have. And that's established and they'll put that into those new hives, which you see those tiny little long skinny things. Yeah. They'll put those in there and then they'll introduce that queen and they'll establish that queen with that nuke and it'll turn into an actual hive of its own. So they're actually creating little entities. It's almost like, it's not cloning, it's like uh, fostering. They foster these bees from one giant hive and then they break them up and then they give them all new mothers. Okay, okay. I think that explains it a little bit. I, <laughs> I'm i still, yeah. Are they in hibernation when no. they travel all this way? And no, no, stick no. Stick them in coolers and then give them to somebody? Absolutely not. I Actually, it's recommended when you pick up your nucleus to get a laundry bag from any local department store that has the mesh design. Yeah. You kind of want to wrap that thing up just in case they pop that little cover open with the screen on it and get loose because people have had hives break open in their vehicles. And they've oh, boy. They've been in a little trouble. So you use that mesh bag to protect yourself. I've always carried them in a van. They've never bothered me, and I, and I have popped one loose before. They've been pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's just hard to get them back into their hive when you, you're taking them away from their original sure, destination. Sure, it's like a foster child out there loose in the yeah, world. They don't know what home to go to. Exactly. So it's just smarter to take the bag and wrap them properly. <laughs> okay. Uh, my last question for okay. all of the people out there eye-rolling. <laughs> smoker. Uh-huh. You're frustrated with your smoker. Mm-hmm. Is it really required if you have a suit? I can just imagine, imagine Jerry. He's a he's a big man. He's a retired logger, and he's going to get into beekeeping as a hobby. And he's tough. He doesn't need a smoker. <laughs> and and you're so um, exaggerated about people's need for safety equipment. Mm-hmm. Do they need a smoker? Yes, even and especially if a person does get farther down the road when they're more experienced and they decide to go without protective gear, which is their own choice. The smoker is you're going to always be your protection from a hive swarming you. They will not swarm you if you smoke them. They will stay away from the smoke. And you need that because if you agitate a hive, a hive, again, uh, we talk about how you'll learn their language. Yeah. When a hive's nature is if they feel threatened, they're going to swarm whatever it is and they're going to sting it multiple times. A, they're going to die and you're going to get sick. And if you have an allergy or a predisposition to allergies in your family, and you don't know it yet, you could really put yourself in a in a bad hurt. So you definitely, you just never want to take chances like that. It's just a foolish thing to do. Okay. The smoker is necessary. And and what I the piece of the puzzle I was missing there is actually protecting the bees, not mm-hmm. just yourself. Absolutely. All right. That's why a smoker is important. Okay. We're going to get to real listener questions. Uh, the first one is from Canson. He says, what's the difference between a nuke and a package, and which is better to buy if I'm a beginner? We Th- talk, this yeah. this does sound 
like some sort of Jason Bourne, <laughs> Tom Clancy spy novel, the difference between a nuke and a package. Yes. Well, that does, it does well, sound a little gonna bit have, 007. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to have to see if, uh, if our listener is from South Korea or North, North Korea. Excuse me, all my <laughs> South Korean friends. All right. Back to the question. What's the difference between, between a nuke and a package? And which is better to buy if I'm a beginner? All right, Canson. Well, the nuke or the nucleus is always your better choice. Um, it's Again, it's a fully functioning hive. We were just talking about earlier, too, on how archaic they look. It's a long, skinny mini hive. It's fully developed frames, and you're going to put them in your empty hive, and you're going to develop your colony from there. If you get a package, you're working with a queen and bees. You have nothing for them to land on. You're putting them in your frames. They have no comb drawn, which is the wax that they developed to put their that queen to lay eggs. And so now she has to wait for them to draw comb, which they do rapidly. But mm-hmm. still, it's a waiting process. So she now has to wait for them. And in the meantime, she's waiting to lay eggs. You want to get that. You want to keep that process going as much as possible. It's a jump start to the season, too, to have a healthier um, honey harvest later on in the summertime as well. Is is there a risk that the queen flies off in the package scenario? I've had that happen to me. I um, took a queen out that she was a, a quick release. There's two types of queen cages. There's one where there's like a little fondant and they'll the bees will eat it out. By then the pheromones will have generated and they'll all say, oh, she's our queen. And they'll either accept her or they'll kill her. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why you inspect. Um, mine, the mistake I had made was I went to quick release her and I was just a little bit too high up above the frame and not down low enough into it. And she flew away. Okay. And I paid $35 for her to fly away. Oh boy. (laughs) So we want to, yeah, you want to make sure. I just think it's safer when you're new. Yeah. Always have your hive ready in place. Just stick with the nucleus until you're, you know what you're doing. It's okay to not know, but don't put yourself at a disadvantage and discourage yourself from something that's really fulfilling. Yeah, the nu- the nuke provides that foundation so the bees know where they're at. They've mm-hmm. already got something built yeah. versus and the confidence. Pa- yeah, the package where a uh, queen's waiting around tapping her fingers. Get yeah. to work. Yes. Okay, um next que- next listener question. Uh, do I need to use an entrance reducer right off the bat? No, not really cuz you're going to put your uh, sugar syrup feeder in there and you can't put both in there the same time. The entrance reducer has two sizes entrances. It flips up to one side and has a wide opening where the bees, when during heavy nectar flow, there's massive bees coming and going. It's like opening the double doors to a shopping center at Christmas Day. You've got that much volume moving in and out all the time. When things get a little slim and it gets cooler, you go and flip that over and then you got this little small entrance. And if you're having a wasp problem, things like that, or you're going into a dearth, then you put that in there. And that little bitty hole will allow the bees to come and go and be protected. <clears throat> and a dearth, of course, is when we're nectar flow is no longer available. We're either in a drought or a weather. Something has wiped out your flowers and there's just no access to food or nectar for the bees. Okay, good. I'm glad you, uh, you, you talked about a dearth earlier in mm-hmm. the episode. And that was going to be another question I brought up. <laughs> what is a dearth? Yeah. Um, okay, another listener question. How should I organize my boxes when I first get them? And I think you touched on this earlier, so it's worth repeating. Yeah, you're going to stack them. Of course, you're going to you're going to have your hive established where you're working your bottom board, your deep box, your queen excluder, your honey super, your inner cover, and then your telescoping lid. What I will tell you though is one establishing element that gets missed is people tend to turn their bees to where they're in what they we call prevailing wind. Bees do not like the prevailing wind. It's too cold and they don't 
like anything below 50 degrees. So you want to make sure that the entrance to the hive is not facing any pathway on your property where there's a prevailing wind that's always going that direction. So be smart, angle your bees, give them some sunshine, keep them warm. Um, with a lot of people, you can actually buy at the bee supplies, these pallets that will station your hives in settings of four mm -hmm. and they're commercial bee pallets. You can do that. <coughs> Excuse me. But I always just did cinder blocks and benches but if you're going to place them, no matter where you place them, you want to have shims handy because your, your hive needs to be level. If it's not level and those that hive's tipped at an angle, those bees are going to draw comb straight down. Yeah. They know. They plumb line on their own. They go straight down. And so what will happen is they're going to plumb that comb straight down. And if your box is at an angle, uh, it's really bad when you pull out three frames and they're all glued together. And when you break it apart, you're destroying honey and brood like crazy. Yeah. So you want to just... Pay attention. I have a very small level that I ended up purchasing that I keep, and I always level my hives. And I check them for level when it's rained and the ground's saturated, too. So just keep an eye on that because they get heavy yeah. as they put honey in there. They can be 70 pounds in a few, just a few months. Yeah. Okay. All right. Another listener question. Do I need a bee brush? Not really, but it's good to have. Um a bee brush, I use a bee brush because a bee brush, it's a very gentle, soft bristling that helps to brush the bees away if I'm ready to harvest honey so I don't have to shake them off the frames and disturb them. A lot of places people like to just shake them really hard and just try to knock them off, but there's always a few that are sticking around and the brush will knock them down. I know a woman that uses turkey feathers. She just prefers to use a feather because it's softer. Yeah. Um, I tried the feather. It didn't work for me either. I'm... Um, inept at feathering or <laughs> I'm just better at brushing. I don't know. But I ended up having to just go to a bee brush. I use a bee brush personally. You don't use it hard. You're just gently brushing bees off the frames. Don't You don't need to brush them into the hive. They know where to go. Just when you're getting ready to harvest honey and which is a DIY series much later on this year <laughs> for a summertime harvest. But um, when you brush your bees, you just want to make sure that you're keeping them close to the hive. You don't want to knock them around and have them upset. Okay. Yeah. The, the, there are specific tools for the job. Mm -hmm. um, our final listener question, and we love the listener questions once again, honeybees at gmail.com. B-E-E myhoney.honeybees at gmail.com. All right, our final question. Do I need to move the hive if it rains? No. The telescoping cover is designed to keep the rain off of the bees in the hive. Now, if the climate gets too wet or you're in, some states have monsoon seasons where there's just a tremendous amount of moisture and your hive appears to be getting wet inside, there is what we call a moisture quilt where you just use number four hardware cloth, which is nothing more than screen for your windows, yeah. um, stapled to the bottom of a honey super, and then you fill it with shavings, those white bricks of white shavings you get at the animals' pet stores for your rabbits and whatnot. And what that does is that just absorbs the moisture during the wet season so the bees can stay dry. But you never, don't you don't want to move your hive. Bees home once they've homed themselves, unless they're transported for pollination in mass trucks to like huge distances apart, yeah, they forage a three-mile radius. They have a GPS tracking system. They're going to always go home. And if you keep moving their home, you may lose your bees to a swarm. They may just leave you. Wow. Yeah. Keep them where they are. Just leave them where they are. Set a good spot. No prevailing wind. 
if it's wet, give me a call or email me. I'll send you instructions. We'll talk about, I'll call you. We'll talk about a moisture quilt. I'll show you how to do it. Okay. That is episode two in the DIY series. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And guys, hey, any questions again, my email is, it's open 24-7. Can you believe that? Be my honeybees. And it's my company name, and it's bemyhoney.honeybees at gmail.com, and it's B-E-E for the honeybee. And Be My Honeybees is the name of my bee company. So I want you guys to just check out the website at honeybeemyteacher.com, listen to the podcast. And, you know, the best thing I can get from you as a compliment is that you share or that you ask me questions because your feedback is very important to me. And I appreciate you very much. So I thank you again, and I will talk to you soon. All about community. I love it. I am so grateful to have shared my love of the honeybee with you. I have so much more to share as we all grow in knowledge to save the honeybee, which will ultimately save us. This podcast is brought to you by Smoke and Jays and SmokeandJays.com. Use coupon code HONEY for 15% off your next order and all orders over $100 ship for free. I'd like to thank my producer, Jay Fratt, for bringing my love for honeybees to the podcast format. He has his own podcast called The Conservative Hippie, which is available on all podcast platforms. Just go to theconservativehippie.com. Visit me at honeybeemyteacher.com to connect with me and enjoy all the buzz about our amazing little friends. Let's be social. All of my social media links are available in the show notes. Please email me anytime at bemyhoney.honeybees at gmail.com. So until we meet again, be mindful, be thankful, and most of all, be kind. <laughs>